0: you will see where we're going uh, with this. Uh, If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus. uh, In the Old Testament, pardon? Pick and choose. Let's don't do that. Uh, Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at a couple of verses, and you might just stay in the book of Exodus uh, as we uh, look through Scripture this morning. So Exodus chapter 3. At first, I'm going to read the story a little bit of Moses with the burning bush. And so his experience where he experiences God and God speaks to him and God tells Moses that he's supposed to go lead the Israelites uh, out of Egypt. And so we're going to get this encounter with God in verses 13 through 15. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my title for all generations. And now if you'll flip over to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verses 2 and 3. Exodus 20, verses 2 and 3. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now... We're probably going to date ourselves here when I ask this question, but how many of you have ever seen the movie The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? Have seen it, not have seen it, not never seen it. So everybody, okay, so most people. Now, it's probably going to be easier. How many of you have never seen The Ten Commandments by Charlton Heston? Raise them up high. It's okay. All right. It's okay. Okay it's 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 kind of sometimes it's it's the age i mean we we were talking about it i think it was good friday claire and i got home and claire was looking on tv to see if there was anything uh, to watch and she stumbled across the ten commandments the movie and so we were sitting there watching it and lydia was in another room and we were like come in and and see this movie it's only five hours long and (laughs) which was probably the first mistake to try to entice her to see this movie Uh, and so uh, we began to watch a little bit and we started telling our story so I was like yeah I remember growing up I mean like it was a big deal I mean it was like a year you looked forward to it in a way it was this year experience that came on it was a two-night affair uh, and it was just this great experience to be able to watch this movie uh, that told the story of of Moses and the Exodus and all of the giving of the law and the Ten Commandments. And, it, it, and so we started watching it, and, and Claire made the comment as we were watching it. She goes, you know, I don't remember as a kid that Moses was so arrogant as a young person. Uh, she goes, I was thinking that he's humble, and yet this movie portrays him quite differently than what I pictured. And I think his humility came later, but it did portray it a little bit differently. And so we were watching it for a few minutes, and then... We watched a little bit longer and i was like you know i just don't remember i mean technologically this is a very poor movie uh and (laughs) the standards of what we are looking for is just not very good right here and and it's kind of cheesy when you really begin to start watching it and so we were kind of watching it for a little bit and then i don't remember who did it whether it was claire me but one of us began to look through the guide we were like, what, what else is on, you know? <laughs> and, and, and we quickly began to watch a rerun of Friends. Uh, and so, <laughs> and I tell you all that experience because, I mean, y'all probably aren't proud of that. But, but I think in a way, that's kind of how we are with the Ten Commandments. As followers of Jesus, we believe in them. Jesus says he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. We, we believe in the Ten Commandments, but probably, and I won't ask you to do this, probably most of us could not right now give me all ten. So do we, do we believe? I mean, are the ladies in the video a little more accurate than maybe we would first think of them as? And so maybe we need to challenge ourselves To really get back to some basics. And that's kind of what I want us to do over the next few weeks. So biblical context. You find the Ten Commandments in uh, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. They're two different stories and they're given to us a little differently. And so what happens is the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt. And God raises up Moses to go and tell Pharaoh, you're going to let my people go. And as he does that, he goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh eventually, reluctantly, lets the people go. And Moses leads them through the Red Sea, a great part of the movie, leads them through the Red Sea and on over to the Sinai area at the base of the mountain. And Moses goes up the mountain, and when Moses goes up the mountain, thunder, lightning, there's this dark... Cloud and the earth shakes, and the people at the base of the mountain are fearful. But God speaks to Moses, and God gives Moses the ten words, the ten commandments that we read. And so, I want us to think about each and every week about a commandment. Now, how many of you say that the ten commandments are set? We have ten commandments. How many would say that? Or how many would say, kind of like the lady, we can kind of, well, kind of play with them a little bit. So how many of you would say the Ten Commandments are pretty set, given to us by God? All right. So most of us would say that. Now, here's the interesting thing. Do y'all realize that some of us, depending on what tradition we grew up in, the Ten Commandments may be different? How many say, I knew that? All right. Not very many. Okay. So you did. Okay, good. Excellent. All right. So I want you to look at this passage again. So let's go back to Exodus 20, verses 2 and 3. I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, I want you to leave that up for just one second, Lydia. Is we see this, verse 3, as the first commandment. Verse 2 is a preamble to the Ten Commandments. Jewish brothers and sisters would say, not so fast. They would say that in that first verse, that second verse, that you get the first commandment of God. Yahweh is your God. The second commandment would be you should have no other gods before me. So our Jewish brothers and sisters would say that in this verses 2 through 3, you get two commandments rather than one. Now, I don't know this. Some of you grew up Catholic, so you can tell me whether I'm right on this. But what we understand is the second commandment, Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church bring into the First Commandment. So no graven images are brought into the First Commandment. You shall have no other gods. And so they have a little bit variation difference of what the Ten Commandments are. I didn't even realize that, uh, if that is true, that they they see them a little differently. So I I say all of that to you because I want us to all be on the same page, that we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments, in a Wesleyan way of understanding, and so we're going to understand that the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. But as I was studying and thinking about this and reflecting on it, I didn't want us to move too quickly past this part that the Jewish faith tradition says, Yahweh is your God, is the first commandment. Because I'm not sure that they're completely disconnected. We don't have a very familiar base with Yahweh. My guess would be is most of when I read those scriptures, yours did not say Yahweh if you were reading your translation. If you read most Old Testament translations, you don't really see the word Yahweh. But it shows up over and over and over and over again in a Hebrew Bible. And so because it's God's personal name for himself, and so that's the story that we get when God tells Moses who he is. So let's hear again this encounter with the burning bush, with, God, with Moses and God in the burning bush. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Because they were a multi-God uh, world at that point in time. And so which God is this? When I say what name, what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my title forever. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. I am who I am. I am Yahweh, all slightly different variations of the Hebrew word that means to be. We're talking about amnes." being. I could not, because I knew what the sermon was about, I could not help but think about when Al was talking about his father sitting in the chair and saying, God's sitting and watching. It's it's this amnes of God, this being of God. And that's what God says that when you read the Bible, God reveals himself as Yahweh. You youve no Uvehave. You That's the way that God pronounces him. Saying Hebrew word is not, there's not vowels, there's only consonants. And so you would get YHVH or YHWH. And the reason that we don't do it is because we follow kind of the tradition of our Jewish brothers and sisters. They understood the name of God, Yahweh, as very holy. And so they came along in the translations and saying, wait a minute, we do not need to pronounce God because we're fearful that we're going to misappropriate the name of God. And so we're not going to say Yahweh. So when we see Yahweh in our Hebrew scriptures, we're going to say Adonai. And Adonai means Lord. So my guess would be, in most of your Old Testament translations that you're reading, you're going to see the word, the Lord. And Lord is capitalized. Every time you see the word, or the phrase, the Lord, it is Yahweh. The Lord equals Yahweh. But my question is, do we lose something in that translation? I brought with you in, in seminary, I, was, I had a, a Jewish study Bible uh, that over, and I didn't count these, over 6,400 times in Old Testament Hebrew scriptures is the word Yahweh. Do we lose something in this? You will recognize it. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. Love Yahweh with all your heart, soul, and mind. Micah ask what does Yahweh require but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God? Underneath all of these scriptures is this name of God, Yahweh. And I think what God is saying in this is being comes from me everything i am the source and i'm the sustainer of everything everything comes from me god wants us to know that his name reminds us god creates everything that god is the creator and the source and i think that we often forget it i'm guilty of it i can see a beautiful sunrise and there's a part of me i think that connects to god but then there's times where i can drive right past it the sun, the moon, the stars, everything is God. Linda Bader, you sent me a message this week and said that you had heard the Easter message and then you sat and went on a sat on a park bench and you were able to see some of creation as you're being able to recognize that everything comes from God. That is the the amnesty of God. Claire told me that this past week we put fresh water in our our bird bath and that she was watching and there were birds everywhere in the bath. They were sitting on the ground around the bath. They were sitting on the fence waiting to get their turn in the bath. And she was watching how beautiful it was. All of that is just to create everything is the source of God. I mean, God is the source of everything. The vastness of space down to the smallest little particle that you can find, everything is created by God. Yahweh is the source of everything. Physicists have something that they try to theory of everything. They're trying to figure out how do you connect all the pieces. Theology would say that you can sum up the theory of everything in one word. Yahweh. 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 Everything comes from God. It's why Paul says that we live and we move and we have our being in God. Now, if we can understand that God is the source of everything, what is our natural response? Praise. Praise. Absolutely praise. And that's what you see the psalmist do. Look at what, what Psalm 150 says. Let everything that breathes praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to Yahweh. All the earth, worship Yahweh with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that Yahweh is God. And so when we come back to what we understand as the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. I think it makes sense to us that if we understand that God is the source and the sustainer of everything, that nothing can come before God. Nothing can come before God. But my guess would be is when we look at the Ten Commandments, we think number one is pretty easy to do. Because we don't worship Baal. We don't worship... Uh, a deity of another sort, we don't worship a mythological figure, and so we would stop and go, okay, I may worry about another one down the list, but one I'm doing pretty good with. But maybe what we need to do is really stop and redefine God's, little g, and how they function in our lives. Let me suggest to you as we think about this, maybe we think about anything that takes greater importance than god in our life anything that claims our highest allegiance that thing which you are most devoted to that thing which has the greatest influence over what you think about what you worry about that which you love more than anything or anyone what's that thing that drives you the most That's what you need to consider this morning. And when I think about it that way, I really, I think about it and think that is when I begin to really struggle with the first commandment. I want God to be first, but there are a lot of things that vie for my attention that can drive me away from the things that God drives me towards. And so I can't just dismiss the first commandment. I have to stop and think, what am I allowing to be God? and how so then you like how what did jesus teach about this and you see that jesus throughout his life he taught i mean he said that you can't have two masters right and we use that illustration we think about it with with regards to money you can't serve both god and money but the point of that for some reason i mean the point of that for god was either god is your god yahweh is your god or something else is and yes, you can look at money, but you can also look at sex, you can look at power, you can look at multiple things that you can stop and say, is this replacing God for me? And if you remember the story of the parable of sower, it said that you can plant on soil that has thorns and it chokes out. I think that's what happens is you all of a sudden you allow those things to begin to choke out and drive out what you want to be, which is Yahweh to be the most important thing in your life. So often, these things that are good, we become enslaved to them, and we no longer use this good gift in the beautiful way that God created it. And I have no idea. All of us struggle with different things. I have no idea what your false god may be. But you need to be honest with yourself to stop and think, do I have any false gods? Is it a relationship? Is it popularity? Is it health is it um, appearance is it your family that's such a hard one you know i'm supposed to love my wife more than anything and i do but i am supposed to love god more than i love her my children i told y'all i would give my life for them But I'm supposed to love God more than I love them. This past week, we were at Young Harris. Lydia is hoping to be able to go there, and we were at Young Harris. And there was a day we were sitting there, Claire and I, we were sitting behind where the announcer was talking, and he was inviting all the students. They were going to do a raffle for the new incoming students. And they was inviting them to all line up. And there was a whole line of students. Uh, Lydia wasn't in there yet, and there was a whole line of students, and most of them were boys, and I was sitting there, and I told to Claire, I turned to Claire, and I was like, "One of them's going to ask her out someday." <laughs> and we were hoping not. Uh, but, but here is what also went through my mind. I have been praying since she was 10 years old for the person she would marry. And what I have prayed is that they would love God more than they love her. Because here's what I know. If they will love God more than they love her, they will love her better than if they love her more than they love God. Right? And anything, anything that we put in priority that that is supposed to be subordinate to God, if we make it a priority, it begins to get everything out of whack. And sideways. I mean, that's what you see. The very first temptation. Adam and Eve. The fruit. The fruit's not the temptation. What does the enemy tell them the fruit's going to do? The fruit's going to allow them to become God. It's this false negative ego or narcissism or, or, or trying to make the world revolve around you. And all of that. Listen to me. All of that. Essentially, edges God out. If you make anything a priority that's supposed to be a subordinate, it edges God out. Here's what's interesting: Jesus never quotes, never quotes the first commandment. Some of the other commandments he quotes, but he never quotes the first commandment. But what does Jesus say? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Do you hear the first commandment in that? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else is going to be given to you. Do you hear the first commandment in that? When he prays, teaches the disciples how to pray, what does he pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you hear the first commandment in that? It's not... My kingdom, it's your kingdom. It's essentially what we pray when I give myself away. It's not my will, but it's your will. It's what he, he cries out to God in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, yes, I would want you to take this away from me, but your will, not mine. In almost everything I see Jesus do and Jesus touch, Jesus is always teaching, put God first. Yahweh. Yahweh is our God. But if you, build your, if you build your foundation on any desire of your own, it will always take you further away from where God wants you to be. Anything that you put above God. So I just ask you, what drives you? Who is the source and the sustainer for you? Listen, if we're going to talk about the law, we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments, the first thing you have to be honest with yourself, what's my God? And it's so easy to say, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you if there's anything in your way that you're putting as a greater priority over God. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to help me pray as we end our time together. If you would stand, if you are able, and join me in praying the Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.